Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. Good morning, church fam. What's good, everybody? So, uh, as you can see this morning, Pastor B and Amy are out of town, um, so I had to step in and talk. And I can tell you, um, I can sit here and I will sing to y'all for two hours straight, and it won't hurt my feelings at all. I love worship, but this part right here, it gets me every time. So, forgive me, uh, there was a couple songs this morning in worship where I was a little late, and that's because my mind was already at this point. You know? <laughs> so... Uh, it was funny, Pastor B sent me a text message you know, uh, throughout the week. You know, we, we're always texting back and forth, you know, what, what we're doing in worship, um, what we're going to be doing, you know, in the Word, how we're going to lay out, you know, how, how we're going to do our worship service, you know, stuff like that. Um, so he sent me a text because he's not going to be in town. He's trying to find out what am I going to be doing this week. You know, what, did I have a message in mind? And all I responded back was, what do you want? <laughs> that was my only response. And I let it sit there for like a good 10 minutes. And then I responded back, that's my, tech, that's, that's my, that's my message title. What do you want? <laughs> so I just kind of left him on the, what, what is this guy doing, man? You know? So, you know, you got to mess with him, especially when he's out of town. I'm um, surprised last night we didn't all just start sending text messages to him to, to freak him out a little bit, being that he can't get back, you know. That's usually what we end up doing. So, uh, as I said, my, text, my, my title this morning is, What Do You Want? Um, so we, we make decisions on pretty much a, a minute by minute basis, right? You're gonna, you know, you, you I guess probably 80% of what we do is just habit. You know, you wake up in the morning and you, you know, maybe you brush your teeth first or maybe you put your, you know, clothes on first and you brush your teeth. Maybe you eat breakfast first and you brush your teeth. But nonetheless, you have a, you have a habitual thing that you do every single day, right? You got an alarm that goes off, you wake up, you do whatever that first thing is. Uh, me personally, the first thing I do is I wake up, I go brush my teeth. Then I go make coffee. So my coffee will taste bad with my brushed teeth. But nonetheless, I make coffee. And then I make another coffee because I know I'm going to drink two. So I'm just going to go ahead and make both then. And then I get ready for work. You know, that, that, it's just like this habitual thing, right? We, we all have these habits that we go through. Um, but a lot of what we do, probably 90% of the day, is what we want. We do what we want plain and simple. Now, I say that, you know, I, I go to work eight hours a day, and believe me, I don't want to. But there's things that I want which require me to go to work, right? So <laughs> 90% of what we do is what we want, right? We make time for what we want. We, we go to work. Um, we want to eat, right? We want to eat meals. We want to drink drinks. We want to hang out with people. We, wanna, uh, we want maybe you want a new pair of shoes. Um, you want some clothing. You want to go to a movie. There's a new movie out you want to see. You want, you know, these are things that we want. So therefore, there's requirements that we have to do to get to the things that we want, right? We spend a lot of time making decisions on what we want to do um, and, and what we don't want to do. I don't want to go to work, therefore I'm going to call in sick, you know, that type of stuff. Um, I don't want to go to Gainesville because I can't stand going to Gainesville, therefore I'm going to try to find a way out of going to Gainesville today, right? Um, I'm not going to Gainesville, by the way. No. <laughs> so, so anyway, we spend, we spend a, a, a great deal of time, one, trying to figure out what we want, two, 
figuring out how we can get to what we want, right? Um, if you're a married couple, you probably spend a good hour every single night trying to figure out what's for dinner, right? We try to figure out what we want. The women are always indecisive. I don't care. Throw something at me. What? What? <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> but see, I'm on stage, and there's a camera recording, so I know she's going to hold off till later. We get home, we'll fight it out. No. <laughs> but uh, so, so the greatest thing about the God that we serve is that he's given us this free will, right? It gives us the opportunity to make decisions for ourselves. He gives us the opportunity to decide what we want to do. Um, you know, and, and he's, a, he's just a gentleman that way. Uh, God could, you know, I mean, potentially he has the power to force us to do whatever it is he wants us to do, right? I mean, he has the power to move mountains. He has the power to, to bring the dead to life. Um, there's, there's all types of things that God could make us do. However, he's a gentleman. Therefore, he allows us to make the decisions that we want to make, whether it be for him or against him. He'll allow us to make those decisions. And a lot of it, like I said, is making decisions based on what we want. Um, however, a lot of the decisions that we make based on what we want are decisions based out of fear. And whether you want to admit it or not, every single one of us lives in some form or state of fear, um, especially now. Uh, it probably used to be a little bit different because we didn't have so much access to the world. You know, um, back when I was growing up, I mean, we were outside. I didn't fear anything. I, my parents didn't even know where I was for a good 12 hours of the day unless I was at school. And that was just a hope that I was there. They didn't actually go check, you know. So, <laughs> um, but we do, we do a lot of what we do based out of fear. Um, I'm afraid to lose my house, therefore, you know, I'm going to pay my mortgage. Or, you know, I, I want to, I'm afraid to starve to death, so I'm going to work my butt off to be able to pay groceries. You know, I'm, I'm afraid of my electric being shut off. You know, that you know, we do a lot out of fear, but then we're also thrown into this mix of access. We have constant 24-7 access to all the world's problems all at once in our hands, right? You don't even have to get out of bed to get bad news. You know, you can go straight to any, any website you want, any news source you want, uh, Facebook, social media, TikTok, YouTube, it don't matter where you go, you can find bad news and you can dwell in it for a while if you would like. You can completely throw your whole life away based on news that doesn't even affect you. Based on bad things that have happened to other people, you can have fear and anxiety and stress and depression, all because of what our government says is going to happen, right? And it, it may be true. It may not be true. Um, some of it's come to fruition. Some of it has not. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, three years ago, we had a pandemic. Everybody was living in fear, fear of something or someone, fear of someone coming at you sick at the grocery store. All I want to do is buy some bread and not get flu. You know, uh, right now they're talking about we got 20 days before we run out of diesel in this country. Well, what happens if we run out of diesel? We're not going to have food. We're not going to have, you know, uh, Walmart's not going to have stock. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to have gas. We're not going to be able to get to work because guess who delivers the gasoline for your vehicle? A diesel truck, right? Guess who delivers the food to your local store? A diesel truck. Guess who is, you know, uh, fixing south florida from a hurricane a whole bunch of diesel trucks right so we're gonna have a diesel shortage well if that comes true what, what's gonna happen what am i gonna do how am i gonna feed my family how am i gonna get to work how am i gonna provide how am i gonna pay my bills you know all this fear comes down on you nothing's even happened yet nothing 
right? So now we're living in fear and anxiety of something that could possibly happen. Hasn't happened yet, but we got depression, we've got fear, we've got anxiety, we've got worry, all because of something that could happen, right? Right now we have inflation staring us in the face of every single purchase you make, period. I don't care where you go, everything's more expensive, plain and simple. And there's nothing anyone's going to do about it because if they keep pushing money towards it, that's what makes inflation go up. That's how economics work. So we have inflation. We've had pandemics. We've, uh, there's a war going on right now across the you know, world. You got Ukraine and Russia bombing each other. You know, I just watched a video. This lady's in a coffee shop, and she's trying to serve coffee to a customer, and a missile blew up the building next to them. And crap's shaking everywhere. The camera's shaking. All she did was grab her phone, run outside, and try to leave. This is their everyday life in Ukraine, right? But we see it. We have fear and anxiety of a war. We're told that here in America, it could, it could end up coming here, or, or we're going to lose out if we don't push this or we push that. We, we have this constant fear and anxiety that's being pushed towards us through the world, right? Well, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So if we truly believe that, and we don't have that spirit of fear, and we have power from God, and we have love from God, and we have self-control, it tells us we shouldn't be dwelling in these things that the world is constantly pushing at us, right? So the, the, the drawback to the fear that is being pushed by the world is that the more we dwell within it, the more power we give to it, right? So we have a power to give, we can give power to our fears. We can give power to our anxieties, our, our bad things that have happened. Um, we can give power to people. You know, we can, we can let people make decisions for us that aren't in our best interest. We can let people make decisions for other people. Um, we, we have a power to give. We can give power to God, which, you know, can control our fear, which can control our anxiety and our depression, that type of stuff. Or we can give the control to fear. So in the Bible, it talks about in Mark 6, 1 through 6, right? So as we give, as we give more and more power to fear and anxiety, we are moving ourselves away from God. Because God is not fear, right? So if that's the case... If we are moving ourselves further and further away from God, therefore God's will can't possibly be touching our lives because we have moved ourselves out of his proximity, right? So if I want God in my life, I have to be a part of God, right? I have to have God in my life. I have to be following what he says and does and what he's wanting me to do in my life. However, if I'm following a worldview of fear, I have now moved myself outside of the circle, the will God has for me. And if I'm moving myself outside of God's will, I'm basically nullifying the power of God. Because, as I said in the beginning, God is a gentleman. God's not going to force himself upon you. If you choose to live your life outside of God's will, he will completely and 100% allow you to do so. Now, he'll throw people in your path. He'll try to bring you back. God always wants you at his side. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. And he will never turn his back on you. We are the ones who move ourselves away from God every single time, okay? So there's a real good story that, that really portrays this in the Bible, and it's Mark 6, 1 through 6. And this is where, you know, Jesus has already started his ministry. Jesus has already healed people. 
He's already preached to people. He's, he's literally preaching the word of God, scripture by scripture, without any teaching of scripture, which was unheard of back then, right? The only people who got to teach in the synagogues are those who devoted, devoted their lives to the word of God to be able to teach it. However, here you got this young man, 30-something years old, who's never been sitting under a, a rabbi learning the word of God. You know, he's never been to a, a seminary class. You know, he, he didn't do all these things that your normal rabbis would do, that your Pharisees would do, that your Sadducees would do. He had been just a carpenter, right? So in this story, Jesus goes back to his hometown. Now, I don't know if y'all know anything about your hometown, or maybe this is your hometown, but people know things about you, right? They know your past. They know how you grew up. Maybe you threw a rock through the school window. That's the thing they're going to remember about you, right? They're not going to remember, you know, the good things. Everybody always remembers, oh, he's just this, or he's just that, or he didn't come from a name, right? Well, that was Jesus. Jesus didn't come from a name. He came from a carpenter. He's just a little old carpenter kid, man. What is this guy doing, right? So Jesus left, or, you know, Mark 6, 1 through 6, starting in 1. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And I'm going to stop right there. So these people, they knew who he was, first off, right? So they already had like this predetermined thought of him, right? But nonetheless, they had heard him preach. Because right here it says, where did he get all this wisdom, right? So they heard him preach the word of God. They know he knows the word of God. They actually heard it themselves. And... They know that he has the power to perform such miracles. So they already heard about the miracles. They already heard about the healing. They already know there's power in this person that proclaims to be the Messiah, that is Jesus Christ, that is God in the flesh, right? They know all these things. Yet the only thing they, they can focus on is, well, this is just the, the carpenter boy. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. So, this is what I mean by we have a power. We have a power. We can give power to the bad things in our lives, and we can allow those bad things in our lives to take over and guide us and make our decisions for us. We can, we can make all the decisions we want, or we can give power back to God in our lives. We can allow him to make the decisions for us. We can allow him to guide our steps and our thought processes. You see, when we choose our own way, when we choose what we think we already know, God can't do the miracles in our lives that he wants to do. Jesus didn't go to Nazareth just to say hi to a bunch of people he used to know. Jesus went there to proclaim the word of God, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to do all the things he had already done in these other cities. Jesus didn't go back to Nazareth to gloat about it. He went back there to, show, to share that same power with everyone he used to know. Yet they were so unbelieving that he couldn't do much there. Only those who actually came to him, and that... That is where it really lies, our power. It was because the people wouldn't seek out Jesus 
It wasn't because their unbelief had power. It was because their lack of faith didn't bring them to Jesus. They, they knew who he was, so they believed. They heard what he had done, so they knew, right? So it's not a, it's not a you know, the Bible does say unbelief here, but what it's leading into is a lack of faith, the unbelief that they had. It wasn't that, like, you can believe, right? I believe that there is a pillar right there in the middle of the room, and it's because I see that pillar in the middle of the room. Now, do I have faith that that pillar is going to hold up the middle of the room? You know, that's what I'm saying. Belief and faith are two different things, right? I have faith it's going to hold because it's been holding. I'm good with that, right? <laughs> but faith and belief are two different things. You can believe in something and have no faith in it. You can believe that God exists, but put your faith in yourself. You can believe that God is your Lord and Savior and that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, but put your faith in men. You can do that every single day of your life and get nowhere. That's what we have to avoid. So again, I say, what do you want? Well, what do we want? Um, some want fame. Some want glory. Some want, some want riches. Um, some just want a humble life. Some want everyone to like them. Some don't want anybody to talk to them. You know, what, what do we want, right? I'm one of those, like, and I don't know if m many of you know this, but I'm, I, I call myself an introverted extrovert, right? And the reason I say that is because I love to do things with people. I love to go out and have fun. I love to have conversations. I love to talk. I love to do all these things. However, about 30 minutes before those things are supposed to happen, I regret making those plans, and I want to stay home. <laughs> so I'm introverted. I don't want to do it, but I love doing it, right? <laughs> so we, we have to really look at the things that we want. Um, some people want a big house. Some people want a better job. I want a better car. I want a more expensive car. I want a, you know, I, I want a record deal because I can sing. And, you know, I want all this worldly money. And I want to be able to do this and that. You know, like we have so many things that we want. We spend a lot, a lot, a lot of times trying to figure out what it is we want. Um, we, we waste a good portion of time that we have an opportunity to use. All right, so we have 24 hours a day, right? You spend, let's just say, eight hours sleeping. I don't. I spend like five hours a night sleeping. That's all I get. Um, that's why I stay tired. I've been tired since 2009. I had a kid then, and it hasn't ever gone back. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> but we, we spend... So we got eight hours sleeping, right? So we're down to two-thirds of the day left, right? Well, I've got work on Monday, so there's another eight hours, right? So we're left with one-third of the day left. You got eight hours, right? Well, I don't know about y'all. I mean, on my phone, personally, I turn it off to where it can't track my screen time because I don't need my wife picking that thing up and seeing that. But I promise you my screen time is way more than it should be, way more. And that, and that's certain days, because some days I'm playing on the PlayStation and it don't track it, right? So, you know, <laughs> I'm over there on my video game. I'm not on TikTok, so we're not tracking it then, right? So, but what I'm saying, what I'm getting at is we, you know, me personally, and, and this whole message is for me personally, I spend a lot of time doing the things that I want to do, right? I want to go home, and like Mason today, he said, when we get home, can we play Fortnite together, all right? So when we go home, we're probably going to eat lunch, we're going to play Fortnite together. That's something we want to do. But I could definitely spend that time getting to know who God is even more, right? 
So I looked up the statistics. Let's see. Only 30% of Christians have ever read the whole Bible. 30% of Christians. So out of the professed 200, I think it, I can't remember what it said, 2 billion, I think it's like 2 billion professed Christians in the world, something like that. So out of 2 billion people, only 30% have ever read from front to back. I'll let y'all know I ain't one of them. I've never read the Bible from front cover to back cover all the way through. Never have. There's parts of it I don't even understand. I get into numbers and that begat, 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 begat. I get lost and I skip forward and I, I'm, I'm not even going to tell the truth. I don't get the begats. I don't get it. I got to go to a, a ESV version. I got to go to a new, you know, like, <laughs> I don't get the begats. I don't get it. So I go to a version that I understand, right? But that is something that I've worked on is, is you, you got to get into the Bible more. You got to read it more, right? So you think that one's bad. Listen to this. 82% of Christians, now this is a case study. So, I mean, give or take, you know, case studies never are 100%. 82% of Christians only read their Bible Sunday at church. Never open the cover any other day of the week. Now imagine, especially my married folk in here, the only time you ever talk to your wife is one day a week since you've known her, since you first met your spouse. You only talk to them once a week for about an hour a week. How much do you think you would know about that person? I've known my wife for 14 years now. If I only talked to her once a week, I still wouldn't know that she doesn't like smacking and pin clicking and all the annoying things that I do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the only way you're going to get to know God is by opening up his word that tells us exactly who he is, where he is, how he is. His entire character is at your fingertips every single day of your life. And if you call me a liar, then you need to go download the Bible app because it's your fault he's not at your fingertips. There is a Bible app, and I don't know if y'all know this, but there's something like 200 different versions of the Bible just in that one app. One app. So it don't matter if you know Spanish. There's a Spanish version in there. Greek, there's a Greek version in there. German, there's a German version in there. And they're still working on it. They don't know it. You speak Swahili. I, I promise you they're probably working on it. They're trying to get the Bible to literally every single person in the world, and that's because we have access to the world that they're able to do it. So access is a bad thing, absolutely. If we dwell in CNN and all you ever do is watch CNN or Fox News, I promise you, you're going to have high blood pressure, you're going to have anxiety, <laughs> you're going to have stress, and none of it belongs to you because all you're doing is going, that guy's a liar, I hate that guy, he's lying, she's lying, they ain't doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? You get into politics and you will watch your blood pressure skyrocket, I promise you. I don't care who you are. The whole point is of, of this talk is what do we want? Well, that's, that's all our will, Right? what we want. There's a whole separate discussion to this, which is what it is God's will. So what does God want for our lives? That's the real question. Is okay, well if I'm not if if I'm not capable of making good choices in my own flesh, right? Which obviously we're not because our flesh is a sinful flesh. So if I'm not capable of making the greatest choices, if I'm completely 100% capable of sin every single day of my life, then what is it that God wants for me? What, how do I find myself within God's will? 
Well, the easiest thing that I could point out to you, that the, the number one word would be relationship. You have to focus on making a relationship with God. Now, just as you would your wife, like I said, you're not going to talk to your spouse one hour a day uh, or, or one hour a week on one separate day and, and try to get to know that person, right? You're going to call them every single day. You're going to talk to them. Like when me and Kim first started dating, I was on the phone with her for two, three hours a night, every single night. You know, we're just talking. We probably fall asleep. You know, you hang up for it. No, you hang up for it. No, you hang up for it. No, you hang up for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so you, you get to know these people, right? You, same thing with God. You have to spend some time with him to get to know him. You got to spend some time in his word to get to know him. You got to talk to him for him to get to know you, for you to get to know him, for, you to, for a relationship to build. There has to be conversation. There has to be trust. There has to be a, a power given over to that person, right? It's not that Kim makes decisions for our life. It's not that I make decisions for our life. Together, we come together. We give each other power to make decisions for our lives, right? Well, the same thing comes with God. You have to be willing to let some things go. You have to be willing to let go of, well, what if my job falls off tomorrow? What if it does? God provides for the birds. He won't provide for you. And that's what the Bible says, right? What if your job does fall down tomorrow? What if, you, what if we do not have any diesel tomorrow? Well, what are you going to do? You're going to figure it out. That's what you're going to do. This world's been spinning for thousands of years. And not a single time has it ever been stopped because we ran out of diesel fuel, right? We're going to figure it out. That's, that's all you can do, right? If something bad happens today, there's still tomorrow. You know, and if there isn't tomorrow and you're a professed Christian, congratulations. You made it. You know what I'm saying? So we have, to, we have to be willing to, one, build this relationship with God. And we have to, two, be willing to let some things go. So... How do we build a relationship with God? Well, like I said, you get in the word. You get into prayer. You serve God. You serve his kingdom. You serve other people. You help other people. You love other people. God is love. Therefore, if you are a part of God, there should be some love inside of you, right? So what I'm, what I'm getting at here is a relationship with God is supposed to change us to, to a different mindset. And that's really what it's all about is a different mindset. You can keep the mindset of I want, I want, I want, or you can change your mindset to what is it that he wants. And that is where you really begin to let some things go. I have lived in a, a constant state of stress and anxiety for almost eight years, right? And that's because I took over a business after my father-in-law passed that honestly at that point I had zero reason not reason. I had, I should not have been taking over a business eight years ago. Let me put it that way. All right. So I was not in with God. I was not a professed Christian at that point. I was doing kind of my own thing. Well, no, I think, I think that's wrong. Actually, six months before that, I gave my life to God. That's when the opportunity came up. So, but anyway, I was young in faith. I was young in a lot of things. I wasn't making good decisions. Um, and two, I didn't know a whole lot about running a business. Now, I was an assistant manager for Walmart, so I knew like how to schedule. I knew how to do some different things. Um, but running an automotive business for yourself versus running a small portion of a business for some CEO, 
as two entirely different things, right? I've never spent a single day on campus of a college as a student, okay? I've spent plenty of time there doing other things, but I've never spent one as a student. I've never been to college. I've never took a business class outside of high school, and really all they taught me how to do was type, which thank God I knew how, I knew how to type because that's turned out really important at this point. So... <laughs> The point is, I took over a business, and I was straight just freaking out all the time. And, and I still go home stressing out about it. Because it's a business where it's providing for me. It's providing for those employees that I have that are under me or that work for us. It's providing for family members who need that business to be able to pay their bills, right? So I have a good 10 souls worth of providing for through this business, and that alone is stressful. Especially when the money's not there, or the work isn't there. Or you're, you know, we, we spent three days trying to figure out an electrical problem in a car, and we've gotten nowhere, and we're not making any money because we spent three days doing absolutely nothing. Right? That happens all the time in the automotive industry. So, what I'm getting at is, I had no business doing this. I lost all my hair. <laughs> I turned gray in other places. Right? So. Now I keep a hat on, and I usually shave a little better, a little shorter, so you can't see quite as much gray. But it's all, all this is gray. It's all gray now. It's gone. Yeah. Stress and anxiety kind of took over my life. And when I really started to realize that I could let some of that go was when I really got into God's word and figured out that no matter what happens, if that business closes down tomorrow, I have faith that God will not only take care of me, but he's going to take care of my family. He's going to take care of my extended family. He's going to take care of my employees and their families. Because every single one of us, thank God, every single one of my employees, as well as those people that the business takes care of, are all professed Christians. So we're going to be okay one way or another. No matter what, we're going to be okay. It's about giving it back to God. And ever since I figured that out, I'm able to let some things go. Now, I'm not saying I, I don't worry about it. I still worry. You know, uh, when Jesus was headed to the cross to die, he worried. Okay? So don't let anybody tell you that as a Christian, you don't worry. You're going to worry. You just don't fear. You can, you can worry without fear. Jesus worried. Jesus went straight to the mountain and said, God, take this cup from me. The Bible says that he was in distress. Okay, so we know that Jesus knew what was coming. He knew something bad was going to happen to him. He knew the greatness of what that was. And he ended it with, let your will be done. Okay, so Jesus worried. Jesus was fearful of what was to come because he knew that he was going to have to be beaten and flogged and his back skin torn off of him and put on a cross and all that. He knew all that was coming, yet did it because it was God's will. But nonetheless, he was he was in worry of what was to come, right? So it's a perfectly normal thing for each and every one of us to worry about what is happening. It's perfectly normal for us to worry about if we're going to have diesel or not in 20 days. But we don't live in fear of what will happen. We live with the power knowing that God will take care of us no matter what happens, plain and simple. And as long as we put the power in God's hands and take it out of fear and anxiety and the enemy wants us to dwell on, we don't have all those worries. We don't have all those troubles. God will let us have what we want when what we want is what he wants. That's how our wants work. Now, God will also let us have what we want when it doesn't equal what he wants, but he's also going to be really far away from you. 
And that's not a place to be. That is where your fear and your anxiety and your depression will have a grip on you stronger than you can get away from. Because you are too far from God for him to help you. As long as you stay far from God, God's not going to step in. God said he's not going to step in. Now, he may send some people in your way. He may send, you know, Miss Janelle to call you and find out you're okay. He may send Adam, you know, hey, brother, you all right? Last week, I don't know, I, I, didn't, I didn't even notice something was off of me, but apparently there was something off of me. I had multiple people ask me, and Adam was one of them. He said, you all right, brother? Yeah, I'm good. But that's what I'm saying. So God will send people in your life to check on you. He'll make sure you're okay. And I'm not saying I'm far from God. I'm just saying even when you're trying to follow God, if something's going on in your life or whatever, maybe God just wanted me to know that Adam cared enough to ask. Maybe God just wanted me to know that there is someone that, that is looking out for me in one way or shape or another. Um, I can tell you as an adult, me personally, I, don't, I have a circle that's like this big. And you fit like maybe one finger in it, not a whole person, right? I keep my circle short. I keep my circle small because I've been hurt in the past. That's just the way it's, it's, the way it's been. Um, I've let people live with me. They took advantage of that. I have built transmissions for people, and they never return and never pay a single dime. Um, really good friends. You know, I bring their car in. I pay employees. I do the work myself. We do all this work. $3,000, $4,000 is really what it should have been. I give them a good discount. 1800 man. Don't worry about it. It's like half of what I would normally charge for a transmission. They don't even pay, pay a single dollar. That type of stuff jilts you. It pushes you into a space where you don't really need to be as a Christian. I don't want to help anybody because all they care about is themselves. Why would I help others when all they're going to do is take advantage of me? Well, unfortunately, that's going to happen. You're a Christian. People are going to use that against you. It says in the Bible you'll actually be persecuted because of it. Right? So if you're a professed Christian and you're spreading the word of God and you're doing the things that you're supposed to do, people are going to throw that in your face, plain and simple. I've had plenty of people walk in the office, they see all these signs, you know, before you yell at somebody, pray, or um, there's the Isaiah poster in our office. There's all kinds of little wall hangers I got from, uh, what was that, Hobby Lobby. You know, they got all these kind of, you know, different scriptures and stuff on stuff. You know, they, they walk in my office and they see that and they're like, oh, you're a Christian, that's awesome. Until three days later, they get the bill, and they're like, I thought you were a Christian, man. How are you going to take advantage of me, man? You charged me $40 for an oil change? you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, oil is like $7 a quart. It holds five. That's $35. Man, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? So they'll, they'll throw that against you, you know, right? Because you're a Christian. You should just, like, give them everything for free. You're a Christian. You should just be handing stuff out, right? People are going to use the fact that you're a Christian against you. We can't allow that to stop us from doing good. We can't allow that to stop God from using us to do the things that he wants to do. So don't be one of the 82% on Sundays who only read their Bible that day. Don't be one of the 30% of Christians who haven't read the whole Bible, which I'll be that way for a little while because it's going to take me a little bit to read that whole Bible. But I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> so like I said, God will let us have what we want, no matter what. But when we really start to see all the things that we need from God come to fruition, is when our wants equal what he wants. That is the, the, the whole purpose of my whole discussion today is what do we want? Do we want what we want? Do we want fame, fortune, money, all that type of stuff? We can have it. 
if you grind hard enough, well, right now, I mean, you don't even have to grind, just get a, a camera and a microphone and a computer and go stream for a little while, and they say you'll make millions. Everybody's doing it, right? <laughs> you don't have to grind. You just get your millions of dollars off of YouTube or TikTok. You just stream for a little while. You'll make your money. Uh, it takes a lot of work, right? Everything takes a lot of work, especially if you want to become successful at it. It takes a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice. But, it, you know, you can sacrifice all the time in the world, and you can become as rich as you want. But I can promise you, nine times out of ten, when you see a celebrity that passed away, right, it's, it's, well, I won't say nine times, but probably 50% of the time it's a suicide attempt, right? Why are rich people committing suicide? They got money. They got fame. They got fortune. They got happiness, right? They got happiness. They're, they're living the dream. The reason they're committing suicide is because they don't have hope. They don't have grace and forgiveness. They don't have this, this spirit living inside of them that can pull them away from the darkness that they're living in the stress and anxiety or whatever it be, right? You can have all the fame and money in the world. Without God, you have nothing. Without love, you have nothing. The Bible literally says you can do whatever you want. Without love, you have nothing. God is love. So without God, you are nothing. You're a clanging symbol. You're out there making a whole lot of noise and nobody wants to hear it because they're on the same level. They're doing the same thing. They're doing what they want. They're making their own money. They're making their own way and they don't need God either. Until you find out in the end. So, the last thing I want to share with you in closing is the last thing that, well, not the last thing he told us, but one of the last things that Jesus told us. It's in Mark 12, 30 through 32. Which I'm pretty close because I'm still in Mark 6, I think. Mark 12, 30 through 32. It says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might and all your strength. This is Jesus replying to his disciples. His disciples literally asked, well, what do we do? This is what he said. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So you can do all the things that you want to do. God will let you do it. You can do all the things that, that your heart desires. You can push forward. You can grind it out. You can, you can live the, the dream. You can make the hustle happen. All right? But if you're not loving other people, if you're not loving those around you, if you're not loving those you come in contact with, if you're not loving on those you work with, if you're not loving on the, the people in your life to show them God's power, to show them God's grace and forgiveness and love, you're not even following one of the first commandments. You're not following God because you're not loving. If you're not loving, you're not part of God. It says it. It, it says to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Not part-time, not for an hour on Sundays, to all the time. So if you haven't started, I would, I would suggest at a minimum, when you wake up in the morning, read a devotional. 
Now, a devotional is a great starting point. The problem is a lot of us get stuck in habits, where I started at in the beginning of this message was habits. You can make it a habit to read that devotional every single day and put zero power in the Word of God. You can make that a habit. You can make it a habit to wake up, read one little scripture, devotional, feel good about yourself, and go the rest of the day never thinking about God again. But the Bible says to stay constant in prayer. When it says constant in prayer, it doesn't mean to constantly be in your closet with, on your knees with your eyes closed and never come out of that room. Constant in prayer is the relationship portion. That is the relationship. You need to have a constant connection with God in everything you do. You need to have a constant talk with God in every decision you make. And it doesn't have to be, well, hang on a minute, I gotta go to my prayer closet. That's what the Bible said, hang on, I go to the prayer closet. You just have a conversation with God. I told my middle schoolers two weeks ago, or maybe three now, I don't know. When I talk with God, it's literally like I'm talking to my best friend, literally. When my, when my life is going hectic, I have literally got in my car and was like, bruh, what are we doing? Like, wait, you expect me to what? No, excuse you. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, and, I mean, God knows me, okay? I, it, it may offend some Christians that that's how I speak to God. I, I have a reverence for God like no other. I know that God could take my life at the instance. But I also know that if God wanted to do that, there were so many opportunities in my past that I could have been gone. So many. I took enough substances, I could have been gone at any one of those points. If God wanted me to be gone, he would have done it then. I'm still here. I'm up here talking to each and every one of you as a, 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 a reformed sinner. But believe me, I still mess up. I mess up every day. But that's why I can talk to God that way, because he knows. He knows I'm going to mess up. He knows that I'm going to slip a wrench, and there is going to word fly out of my mouth that y'all shouldn't hear in here, because man, these busted knuckles hurt. And sometimes those words just fly out, man. A little blood comes with it. See, look, busted, busted, busted. I just, God knows. But I also ask him forgiveness. I ask him to change my mouth. I ask him to change my mind. I ask him to change me in a way that when I bust a knuckle, that, that thought don't even come into mind, right? The Bible says, count it all joy, which, you know, I've heard plenty of jokes around that. But nonetheless, that's really how we should live our lives. We wake up in the morning, man, we got an opportunity. We, we get to go to work today. We get to work around people. I get to talk to a customer who's going to be ungrateful. I get to maybe share a little love with that person. Maybe it'll change their ungratefulness. Maybe it'll change their, their perception. And maybe not. Maybe they'll leave just as hateful as they came in. But nonetheless, they will have seen my smile in spite of it. Because I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give them a little bit of Jesus in everything I do. And that may make them angry. Sometimes it does. I've been called out because of my Christianity on that whole basis that, you know, that I'm, I'm sharing with them and they don't want it to be shared. I'm forcing it upon them, right? Well, we're forced to do many things that we don't want to do. We're forced to hear a lot of things we don't want to hear, aren't we? Get over it. Love Jesus. Y'all have a great day. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you. And until next time, 
The best <laughs> is yet to come.